Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. Good morning. Good to be here. Today I'm starting a new sermon series, Preparation for the Promised Land, as we're going to go through Deuteronomy. So there's a story of a general. He was the head of the army, and they were greatly outnumbered, so he was confident, though, that they would win, but his soldiers weren't very confident. So he took out a coin, and he said, I'm going to toss this coin in the air. If it's heads, we win. If it's tails, we lose. So he throws the coin in the air, and guess what it ends up? Heads. And the soldiers were so overjoyed, they just saw that as a sign And they went in victoriously and took the land from the enemy. And after the battle, one of the lieutenants said to the general, what if it landed tails? The general said, no, no, it wouldn't have because both sides are heads. (laughs) So that's how it is with God. We always win. We're always victorious. We doubt, but God is faithful. He fulfills his promises. Even when we are faithless, Even when we lack trust, God is always faithful to do what he sets out to do. Israel, all they had to do was trust God. You know, jump from the chair into the land. How many times did God say, this is the land I am giving you? I mean, what part of that did they not believe? They didn't believe God was giving it to them. They saw giants in the land, and they came back fearful. And God had to wait an entire generation for Joshua and Caleb to rise up and lead the people into the promised land. So God is always faithful. He's just waiting for us to believe. Deuteronomy, raise your hand if you've heard of the book Deuteronomy. It literally means second, deuter is second, and then namas is law. It's not the giving of a second law. It's the restating and the renewal of the existing law. Because what's happening is now Moses is going to die at the end of Deuteronomy, documents his death, and then Joshua begins marching to the promised land. So Moses is taking this opportunity to remind this new generation of all the great things God did. And that's what this book is mainly about. Now, I told you last week and the week before, I think, that this is the year of the gate, and that God has given us a huge vision for this church, and this is the year that we will occupy the land. Something's going to break this year, I believe, you know, as we talked about 2020 vision, the sermon series. By the way, if you're new today, I'm grateful that you're here, but last week you missed marching around uh, as I was playing the shofar, the ram's horn, and we were marching in faith as the walls, the spiritual walls of Jericho came down in our life. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about belief. Belief is the essential ingredient for entry and existence in God's kingdom. Belief is the essential ingredient for entry and existence to God's kingdom. No one can enter God's kingdom without belief. It's belief in Jesus Christ, God's son. Abraham is the first person that we see in Scripture who was credited as righteous 
right with God because of belief. The Bible says that. Did he do anything spectacular? Was he perfect? No. He got into God's kingdom because he believed God. And because of his belief, he was made right with God. Well, it's the same thing with us, New Testament believers. How do we become right with God? Is it just doing a bunch of good stuff? We can never do that. It's believing in the one who did everything for us, Jesus Christ. It's not about doing, it's about what's done. Jesus Christ finished the work, and now when we place our faith in him, we are credited as righteous. In John chapter 3, the gospel, we find a man named Nicodemus, and he comes to Jesus at night to find out how to enter the kingdom of God. It's a wonderful conversation. So Jesus says to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So what is Jesus saying there? First of all, born again can mean born from above. And what he's saying is that in order to enter God's domain, in order to enter heaven where God is, in order to be counted as righteous, to be able to be allowed into God's kingdom, that person has to become born from above. Who's the one that makes us new in Christ? The Holy Spirit. So what Jesus is saying here, unless the Holy Spirit turns the light bulb on and renews us and regenerates our dead spirit, because we're all sinners that fall short of the glory of God. And the Bible talks about that we're dead in our sin. Until we are made new in Christ by being born from the Spirit, no one can enter the kingdom of God. So it doesn't matter how many good things you do. It doesn't matter how many times you go to church. It matters that you have become new in Christ by believing in Him. And therefore, His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes and lives inside of you. Has anyone ever prayed the prayer, Lord Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I believe in you. It's not about the prayer. It's about the faith behind the prayer that what you're saying God is hearing. And He's faithful to keep His promise. That anyone who calls the name of Jesus will be saved. That's the important thing. So belief is that important. Without belief, no one can enter the kingdom of God. So then how does one enter the kingdom of God? Ephesians 1, 13-14. You were included in Christ when you what? Heard the message of truth. But is that enough? He goes on, Paul writes, When you what? Believed. So when you believed, you received the Holy Spirit. The promised Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, even the prophet Jeremiah and Ezekiel spoke of a new spirit, a new work of a spirit, a new spirit where the spirit would not only come upon people, but would live inside that person. That's the promise. And it becomes a seal, like ownership, property. So you are now belong to God and no one can take that away from you. That is the assurance of salvation because you have received the spirit is a deposit guaranteeing what? Heaven. Guaranteeing eternal life, which begins here on earth 
and goes for eternity where God is. The redemption, the purchasing back of those who are God's possession. And it's not for your praise. It's for God's praise. So belief gets you in. The Spirit assures your salvation. So if you ever question your salvation, you need to understand if you have received God's Spirit by faith, and it's all about His grace, which is unconditional merit, He doesn't work according to the person's righteousness. He works according to the person's faith. And when you believe, the light bulb comes on and you receive the Holy Spirit and no one can take the Holy Spirit away from you. Amen? God lives in you. So the story of Israel is similar to the story of the church because Israel got called out of the world as we are called out. To what? Worship God and to be a kingdom of priests, which the church is a kingdom of priests. But they were stuck in Egypt for 400 years in slavery and death to a corrupt king who had them in slavery to himself. But then God shows up, sends Moses, and God rescues Israel in a miraculous way so that they could come into the promised land. Well, isn't that our story? I mean, God called us out as a people of God And we were in bondage and slavery to a corrupt king, Satan, God's adversary, the enemy, who had us in bondage to death and sin. And then Jesus comes along and rescues us into the promised land, into heaven. In fact, Colossians 1, 13 through 14, read it with me. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Lord, that He has rescued us. So no one can enter the kingdom of God's Son except by faith in Him. Preparation for the promised land begins with belief. And when I'm talking about the promised land, obviously I'm talking about eternal life with God in heaven. But I'm also talking about all the blessings that God has for you in Christ. Because unless we believe all His promises, we might miss some blessings in our life here on earth. And the promised land is actually a land. I talked about last week the importance and the theology of land, right? Land is spiritual. And the enemy has taken land, specifically physical land, from the people of God, according to the story of Israel. So God had this land. And he was just waiting for them to believe so that they can enter the actual physical land. So we're going to look at three aspects of belief. But let me just kind of give an overview of what we're going to talk about during the sermon series. We're going to go through it progressively, the book of Deuteronomy, but we're not going to go verse by verse. What I decided to do was look at key words that are in the book. And the most used word in this book is belief. So we're going to start off with that. And then next week, we're going to talk about remembering what God has done. So let's look at three aspects of belief. Number one, belief in His Word. That's where it begins. Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Bible. Does anyone know what those five books are called? The Pentateuch. Who wrote these books? The Holy Spirit, through Moses, wrote these books, and Deuteronomy is the last of the five. 
Moses was pretty important. To this day, to Jews, Moses is the highest prophet. In fact, Deuteronomy 34.10 says, And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Jews to this day exalt Moses and the teaching of Moses. So therefore, it's fitting to start off this series and Deuteronomy with these words in the very first verse. What does it say? These are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan and the wilderness. So it's a series of words. It's a series of narrative that Moses is speaking to Israel before he dies and before they go into the promised land. Now, Moses is speaking to Israel, not as Moses, but as God. Because in verse 3, it says, In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the children of Israel according to all that the Lord, Yahweh, had commanded him to give them. So this is the word of God. It's not Moses' words, although God used Moses, but it's the word of God's prophet, Moses. The word, word, or words appear 137 times in Deuteronomy. So it's important that we talk about God's word. Because every promise, every deed is based on the validity of God's word. In fact, the only way we know who God is is by what he says about himself in his word. Now, we can look at the sky and we can look at God's creation and we can know there's a God, right? That's in Romans 1. Paul writes about that. The glory of God is in the heavens. But does that mean that someone knows about God? Because you can look and, oh yeah, man, look at the incredible, I mean, just the birth of a baby, things like this. You can go, that, that's God. There's got to be a higher power, right? But that's called general revelation. You can know about God, but how do you know God? You know God by His Word. How do you know someone? You know someone because you spend time with them. So how do you know God? You know Jesus, who's the Word, who became flesh. So that's why the Bible is so important. Without it, we would not have specific details about who God is, what He expects from us, what's happened in the past and what's going to happen in the future. We would not have those specific details if it were not for God's Word. So unless someone can claim that they never heard the Gospel or never heard the Bible or never read the Bible or never spoke to another believer about what the Bible says, that person cannot say that they don't know what God demands. That's why when we preach the gospel, there needs to be a response. Saying, I'll wait, is a response. Right? Hopefully the response is, I believe. And so when the Holy Spirit turns the light bulb on and you believe, you're now a new creation. People go, well, how do I know? Well, in my case, take me for instance, before I got saved at the age of 29 and became a born-again believer, you know, people don't like to use that term, right? But that's what the Bible says. Unless you're born again, you can't get in the kingdom of God. So at 29, God opened my eyes 
And I believed in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I received the Holy Spirit at that moment. If I think about my life before that, I hated church. Reading the Bible to me was like boring. Who reads that? Who wants to hang out with judgmental Christians? I believed there was a God, but I didn't know who he was. Now, take a person like that, and now I teach the Bible. I love God's church. I love being with believers. That's a change. That just doesn't happen, right? So if that's you, then obviously the light bulbs come on. You're here today. You know, nobody forced you to come here. You chose to come. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you to this place today. Belief is essential to inheriting God's promises, namely His Son, Jesus Christ. So let's look in Deuteronomy. You have your Bibles turned there. I'm going to start reading here in Deuteronomy chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 21. And Moses is recounting the story of Israel. So he says, See, the Lord your God has placed the land before you. Go up, take possession as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has spoken to you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Then all of you approached me. So now Moses is saying, because that's what God promised. But then you came to me and said, Let us send men before us that they may search out the land and bring back us a word of the way by which we should go up. So in other words, he's saying, we want to send spies into the land and make sure we can get in there. And so Moses goes, I was cool with that. And I took 12 of your men, one from each tribe, and they turned and went up into the hill country and came back. And they took some of the fruit of the land and brought it back to us. And they brought us a report that said, Man, that is a good land, which the Lord our God is about to give us. But Moses goes, Yet you were not willing to go up, but you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God, and you grumbled and became irritating congregants. (laughs) Because the Lord, you said, hates us. He has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of our enemies. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying the people are bigger and taller than us. That city, man, they're going to kick our you-know-what. And besides, I'm translating here, we we saw those giants in there. And then Moses goes, I said to you, do not be shocked nor fear them. The Lord your God who goes before you will fight your battle. Just as he did for you in Egypt. Remember Israel? Don't you remember? That was not too long ago. And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you. Just as a man carried his son. In all the way which you have walked until you came to this place. But for all this you did not trust the Lord your God. That's sad. Because it says yet in spite of this word. You did not believe the Lord your God. So you chose to not believe God's word. Again, there's the huge belief of salvation. Can't get into heaven without belief in Jesus Christ. There's no way around that. But what about the belief in everyday life? 
Are there blessings that God has on this side of heaven if only you would believe? Because it's based on trust. In fact, belief in the Hebrew more than the Greek means to trust, to lean on Him. So the question is, how much do I trust God in everyday life? And why don't I trust God? Well, maybe you don't know. You just don't know the Bible. So that's why it's important for you to be in the Word and read the Word and experience God's Word. Maybe you haven't experienced God's faithfulness. For me, God has shown Himself over and over as faithful, even when I wanted to give up. Maybe you haven't come there yet. Or maybe this is the bottom line, and I think this is a lot of it for people is lack of submission to the authority of God's Word. Because Israel knew God in a personal way, in fact. He was their rescuer. They knew Him, the Lord our God who rescued us from Egypt. But they didn't believe Him when He spoke His Word. They didn't trust that what God was saying was true. So in Deuteronomy 9.23 it says, when the Lord, again, Moses is speaking, sent you from Kadesh Barnea saying, go up and take possession of the land that I have given you. Then you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God and did not believe him or obey his voice or his word. So unbelief kept them out of the land. What is the land for you? You know, the promise, the blessing that God wants to give you If only you will believe. Maybe it has to do with your family. Maybe it has to do with your work. Maybe it has to do with your life. Maybe it has to do with your marriage. Maybe it has to do with your health. Raise your hand if you believe God can do anything. Okay, so if we believe that God can do anything, then He can do anything. It doesn't mean that He will do it according to how we want it done. But if you just believe, maybe there's something, I always say, maybe your miracle's just around the corner. You know, don't give up now. Stay in the game. In 1 Thessalonians 2.13, Paul writes, And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. The Word of God is at work in those who believe. Secondly, belief in His promises. Now, how's that different than His Word? Well, kind of the same thing, but if you're a parent, you remember when your kids were smaller, and you'd say, uh, tomorrow we're going to Disneyland. We're going to Disneyland tomorrow. Today, I want you to take out the trash. One's a promise, one's my word, and they're not willing to do that. They just want to believe the promise, but not the word, right? We kind of like that, right? We want to be encouraged, which is great. You're doing a great job. But you know, there's two types of encouragement. You're doing a great job. Get out of the street. You're about to get hit by a bus. We like the, you're doing a great job. We just don't like the, hey, maybe you need to work on this part of your life a little. Let me work on it. Maybe you need to surrender some stuff to me. You ask me in your heart, but why are you closing off that part of it? You know, that kind of thing. There's a conviction that comes along with God's Word. And I must be willing to be disciplined as well as encouraged. 
So God makes this promise to Israel, but they were not ready to repent and believe God. So in Deuteronomy 6.3, it says, Hear Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you in the land, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. So again, this promise of the land is important. And here we have Joshua and Caleb are the only ones from that generation that are going to enter because they believed. When the spies came back, they believed. But guess what? Wouldn't you hate to be Joshua and Caleb? You had to wander around in the desert because of all the unbelievers, right? And so that's why I always say, let's not miss the promised land for our church because you don't believe. Let's believe God. Don't miss the promised land for your marriage, for your work, for your vocation, for your ministry. Believe God. So in Numbers chapter 20, in verses 8 through 12, so this is an interesting thing. God is speaking to Moses in Numbers. And he says in verse 8, Take that rod, Moses, and assemble the congregation and speak to the rock. Now, if you remember the story before that, remember the rock and the Israel was complaining, and God says, what did he say? Strike the rock, and water came out, right? This time's a little different. Moses, speak to the rock, and water will come out for your congregation. But here's what happens. So Moses took the rod, just as God commanded him, and Moses and Aaron, I love it because it's so funny. I can imagine. Moses, like, again, he had the most complaining and grumbling congregation in the history of the world, all right? They were like children. So Moses is building up, right? So he takes the rod and he goes, listen, you rebels. It's like, awesome. (laughs) And Moses gets ticked. He's just tired of them. And he strikes the rock twice. And in verse 12, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you have not believed me to treat me as holy, In the sight of the sons of Israel, you will not bring them into the land. Moses, I mean, he did like everything pretty right. He missed the one thing. And we have to remember that he was representing God. So leadership has a lot of responsibility, right? So he didn't represent God correctly. So how could he lead them in? It's not that God didn't love Moses. He loved him a lot, but he just couldn't lead them in. Now, what's awesome about this, though, is that even in the midst of Moses' anger problem, that rock we find out in the New Testament is Christ. That rock, when it was struck, water came out. And when Jesus said, if you believe in me, living water will come out. That's the Holy Spirit. God turned that around for good. That's what God's great at. So Moses enters the eternal promised land, or wasn't able to because of unbelief. But here's the great thing, 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. That is why through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. So every promise comes true in Christ. Third, belief in him. So belief in his word, believe in his promises, but believe in him. Can someone believe God's word, his promises, but not necessarily him? The Bible says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's a lot of people who believe God existed. There's a lot of people who love his promises. They just don't know him. Jesus says in John 10, 25, 
I tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. So why is a name important? Because a name identifies a person. When you think of someone's name, you usually think of that person, their personality, their characteristic, whether they're nice or not nice, or you know, people that you want to be with or not be with. That's what you think of in a name, right? So when you think of Jesus, what do you think of? That's why it's important to know him by his name. 1 John 3.23 says, And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of Jesus Christ. That means I believe not only existed, but I believe in him who he says he is and what he said he did. So Israel was to believe in their God, Yahweh. Deuteronomy 5.6, I am the Lord. Whenever you see capitalized, it's Yahweh. Your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. What does Yahweh mean? The God who is. Remember, I am. The God who will always be. He's never not going to be. That's why John writes at the end of his gospel, all these things that I wrote is that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his what? Name. Now, when Jesus spoke, he would talk about, I am the gate. I am the bread of life. You know, those different things. One incredible I am, there's a controversy about the Pharisees and him and who he's saying he is. And he gets in this, in John chapter 8, this heated discussion, and he ends it by saying something incredible. He says, before Abraham, I am. (laughs) People say, oh, Jesus never claimed to be God. Yeah, that's why they wanted to kill him. Now, here's the thing. At the root of all sin is unbelief. All sin has the root of unbelief. I mean, think of Adam and Eve. They believed the lie over the truth, and they had to exit the land, right? Unbelief keeps you out of the land. Now, there's two types of unbelief. Salvific unbelief, that's a fancy word for leads to salvation. So, in other words, This is belief for salvation. And Jesus says, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am... And look at what the translators did. They put he, which helps you understand, but that's not there in the original text. It says, for unless you believe that I am. He's basically saying, unless you believe I'm God, you will die in your sins. And Romans 10, 9, read it with me. We know this one. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So again, confessing with your mouth is risky. You know, I mean, think about it. In fact, today we might hear people in football after their game, they'll be interviewed. And some people will say, man, I just thank God. And that's kind of benign in a sense, because we don't know what God, right? But when someone says, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there's a line crossed, right? Risky. That's why confessing it is important. But then you have to believe in your heart that he is who he says he is. John 5, 46 through 47. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And then John three eighteen, Whoever believes in him, Christ is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Hopefully you have believed in the name of Jesus Christ. 
Because otherwise, you're not in the kingdom. You're out of the land. You want to get in the land. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Believe in him. The next one is daily unbelief. So again, I always find it fascinating that people believe Jesus for their salvation, but won't believe him for daily things. And this is a lot where the problem lies. Raise your hand if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Okay, now I'm not going to ask you to do this. Raise your hand if you believe in everything he asks you to do and do it or not do it. Well, and here's the thing. That's why I said belief is not only the entry point into God's kingdom. It's the way you exist in God's kingdom. Jesus said every word that comes out of God's mouth is our daily bread. This is why Jesus, when he consoled his disciples and he kept talking about, I have to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be handed over to the Gentiles and they're going to crucify me, but I'll rise on the third day. And nobody was getting it, but the disciples started to get upset. Jesus stopped talking about that. So in John 14, Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Do you believe in him for any circumstance? Do you know where Jesus is currently? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And what is he doing? He's praying for you. Sometimes when I don't know what to pray, I'm saying, Jesus, please pray for me. I don't know what to pray. Do you believe him to that point where you just have conversations with God? And you're honest. And you say, I don't like this. But then you're like, but there's a reason. Please help me to understand because I don't want to be wandering around the desert for 40 years. Please teach me, Lord. These are what I call thinking problems. I just want to talk just quickly about this because if you struggle with thinking problems, you might struggle with this aspect of belief because you start believing your thoughts. There's an online survey you take if I'm an alcoholic. And if you substitute thinking for drinking, this is what I did. I substituted here. One of the first questions is, how often during the past year have you found out you were not able to stop thinking once you started? Secondly, how often during the past year have you failed to do what was normally expected of you because of thinking? How often during the past year have you had feelings of guilt or remorse after thinking? It's true. I heard someone say, my life would be a lot better if I could leave my head at home. Because our thoughts and these two verses changed my life because I struggled with this my entire life. And at some point I was reading the second Corinthians 10, four through five. So it says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the truth of God, knowledge. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ in his word. If you want to live an abundant life in land, don't let your thoughts keep you out. And here's the thing what I do, their thought test. So first thing you have to ask, is my thought true? And then you ask again, is it absolutely true? And then the third How do I feel when I have this thought? I feel terrible. I feel fearful, anxious. I feel worried. Would I feel different if I didn't have this thought? Heck yeah. Well, then you turn the thought around and you make it obedient to God's word. So just for example, I mean, here's some thoughts that we struggle with sometimes. God is mad at me. I used to think that all the time. Turn it around. God loves me. I'm not good enough. Christ is good enough. God can never use me. God wants to use me. 
Why do only bad things happen to me? God can turn bad to good. I'm all alone. I'm not alone. My life is meaningless. My life is meaningful. You turn it around and you will experience true freedom in the land. So at the end of your outline, and you're not going to be able to do this all today maybe, but I really encourage you to do this during the week. Finding yourself in the story. How much do you trust God? And the first question is, do I trust in God's word 100%? Yes or no? And if no, why not? Be honest. Talk to God about it. Do I trust in God's promises 100%? Yes, no, if not, why not? And then do I trust in Jesus 100%? Yes, no, why not? And don't sit there and think you have to be the perfect Christian. God already knows your answer. He knows your heart. And there are no perfect Christians. Be honest. And if you're honest enough, maybe God will heal you of that. Maybe God will do a miracle so that you can get out of that enslaved land and enter the promised land that God has for you as you live that abundant life in Christ through belief in Him and His Word. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, for your Word that's true 100% of the time. We struggle. We fall short. You're not mad at us because if we're in Christ, We're already seated in the heavenly realms. There's nothing to worry about. But this life is hard. So I pray now, Lord, any struggles, anything that's on the heart of these people, that you would relieve that anxiety, that you would give them that peace that passes all understanding as they relinquish that unbelief, that lack of trust to you. And even say, as the one person in the Bible says, help my unbelief. Help me believe, Lord. You can do anything, as was spoken of earlier. So I ask, Lord, that you will continue to work in a powerful way in us and through us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegatecbc.com. Make me-